You're listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Simon Latarch is a partner at Milestone Advisory. And if you are interested in anything to do with how your business can grow, raise funds and build value to exit for the maximum price, then this is an absolute masterclass. Simon has worked with many P and VC-backed high-growth tech and media businesses over the years and was instrumental when Publicis Sapient bought LBI in 2013. We talk about that in some depth. We talk about everything from the different sources of funding that agencies can access, the difference between private equity and strategic buyers, when is the right time to sell your agency, how to decide how much to sell for, if you're interested in any of that stuff, then you're absolutely going to love the conversation. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Simon Latouch. My name is Nathan Anibaba, and this is Agency Dealmasters. Agency Dealmasters is a series of conversations with world-class agency leaders building great agency businesses. I believe everyone belongs in the growth journey, and this show is dedicated to the stories and the lessons of ambitious agency builders of all types by examining their history, competitive advantage, and what makes them tick. Now, let's jump in. My extra special guest is Simon Latarch, a partner at Milestone Advisory. He was CFO at LBI. Simon then went on to sell Publicis for half a billion dollars in 2013 when he became CFO of Publicis Sapient in the UK. He has completed multiple M&A transactions and funding rounds in debt and equity. He also holds a financial strategy diploma from Syed Business School and was voted as a top 20 CFO in the technology and marketing sector in 2013. Simon Latarch, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you, Nathan. It's uh, good to be here. Super excited to have you on the show. Been looking forward to this one for a long time. We can talk about everything on this show from fundraising, M&A, strategic growth. But let's start with an idea of what the current state of M&A for tech and marketing services businesses are right now. You're the perfect person to answer that question. What are the main macro and micro trends that are driving the market at the moment? Yeah, so I think I would say the market is pretty good at the moment. Uh, there's still a lot of appetite from the strategics and the PE houses to acquire in this sector. We have seen that, yeah, so there's been quarter on quarter decline, uh, Q1 versus Q2, but it's fairly mild and and actually deal volume is probably higher than last year. So, you know, it's it's a good place to be. Uh, but as you say, that, you know, there are some pretty significant headwinds um, that we are experiencing in Q3 and probably beyond. So the, the, the ones we know about uh, Ukraine, inflation, uh, interest rates particularly having an impact. That said, we are still seeing ad spending. So that ad spending seems to be going up off the back of, you know, some cyclical events. So you've got the US midterms and you've got FIFA World Cup. So that enables that spend to remain high. And also, I mean, just to reinforce that, some of the networks over the last couple of weeks have actually increased their revenue guidance in H2. So in general, I would say the market is in a good state. Give us an idea of the types of agencies that are selling their businesses 
right now and how that's changed over the last few years? And and who was who are the main buyers that are in the market as well? Agencies are selling in all the categories, certainly. I think probably the hottest that we're seeing at the moment is probably data and analytics. Um, agencies have got deep speciality in advertising, but also, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of the sort of tech-led agencies, so agencies with tech capability, whether it's ad tech or martech. We have seen, you know, that those businesses are are in demand at the moment, and the buyers. You've got the strategics, which would be the networks, um, so Omnicom, Publicis, um, WPP, etc. But you're also getting a lot of interest from the sort of challenger networks, which would be S4 Capital, Next15. And as I say, you know, PE is very much increasing its presence in this space. And they are picking off individual companies, but they're also flowing capital into their existing portfolio companies. So they're using them to acquire further assets in the sector. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty exciting place at the moment. So as you alluded to there, there are lots of different ways for agencies to raise finance for, for growth or acquisition or for whatever it is that they want to do. Um, private equity, um, uh, debt, um, we'll, we'll get into some of those uh, and other examples in in a moment. But let's talk for a moment just about your experience at LBI because you had a ringside seat when Publicis bought LBI for a reported half a billion dollars. Talk about the most interesting parts of that deal from your perspective now with some hindsight and, and a little bit of distance between now and then. Yeah, sure. So... Yeah, it was nice to be a part of that transaction. That transaction, the, the process of that transaction was, you know, it was over a long period, so probably over 24 months. And, yeah, what was, what was really kind of stood out for me was the importance of the fundamentals. So it really is, you know, they're relying on the last 12 months EBITDA, um, and then they're looking at a multiple, and the multiple is based on a risk assessment. Um, so it was encouraging or, or very interesting to see what the, the buyers, so the big buyers in terms of the consultancies and the strategics, what they really focused on, um, which is obviously very useful uh, intel for, for today. Um, but the other, I mean, I really enjoyed it because you were just hanging out with uh, super talented people. So we were working with the investment banks, the corporate advisors, um, M&A specialists. It also meant that we could work with, you know, the top team at LBI. Uh, so it was a really fascinating experience. And yeah, so yeah, fully enjoyable. So you said there are a number of, of risk factors that the acquirers were looking at there to define the multiple. Can you just expand on that? What were some of the risk factors that were factored into, into the equation? Yeah, good question. So, you know, what you have to, what we tend to do at Milestone is look at everything from a buyer's perspective, because essentially a buyer wants certainty. So that they will be presented with a forecast. Um, and what they want is certainty or as much certainty as possible that that forecast is achievable. So they are buying future performance. And what we've done at Milestone is we've identified sort of 12 key areas where the buyer will determine the risk factors associated with that transaction. And that's where we focus in terms of supporting and advising our clients to make sure they maximise their potential at, at the end of the journey. 
So let's talk a little bit about Milestone. You're, you're not really used to being client-facing as you are now. I think in previous roles, you said that you've always been second or, or, or third tier away from, away from the client. Tell us a little bit more about Milestone. What are the problems that you're solving for your clients? Um, why did you actually move to Milestone in the first place? Tell us a little bit more about the company. Sure. So Milestone is a growth advisory with total focus on marketing and tech sectors. It's, you know, it's all we do is focus in that sector. Uh, and we eff- effectively work with clients to build long-term shareholder value with an exit in mind. Um, so it's very focused. And you know, we sit alongside the senior leadership team as advisors. Uh, we have been in their shoes. Uh, we, we know what the potential pitfalls are, where which levers to pull at the right time. Um, you know, we've seen the business uh, from the inside, from the kind of CEO, CFO and COO point of view. Um, and our, our main focus is, is to ensure that they have the right growth strategy in place to enable them to meet their long-term shareholder objectives. So coming back to that, what stage of growth do you typically engage your clients at? Give us an idea of what a typical engagement would look like and, and how do you generate value for your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's no right time. Uh, the, you know, the, the it's such a big decision for an agency to go on a path to, to exit. Um, they're probably only going to do it once in their careers. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and some of these processes can take up to three, three years, depending on where they are in their growth journey. But what always is absolutely vital is having that exit strategy in place and that growth plan in place. You know, whether you're looking to to sell or not, um, the discipline that it instills in the agency is is always beneficial. um, uh, And that's what we've seen. So, you know, in terms of value creation, there's really there's really two main factors that drive valuation in every conversation. And that is quite simply you know, absolute EBITDA. So your EBITDA number, your profit at the end of the year, your last 12 months, and then your multiple. And your multiple exit is also fundamentally important. So it's it's one times the other. So we always consider our engagements through the lens of EBITDA multiple. And when we do that, there's kind of four areas we'll look at. Um, So, you know, it all starts with a deep, deep dive on the financials, so a full financial assessment of the business. We're looking at the forecast and we're looking at ways to improve growth, uh, ways, um, strategic cost management uh, and ways to improve the EBITDA. And then on the flip side, and this, this is really important, is that, as I said earlier, having a business that is de-risked, uh, so it, there is more chance of it delivering on its forecast is, is fundamental in those discussions. So it's fundamental in order to achieve that shareholder value that you're aiming for. And what we do in that space is we look at, it's called the milestone 12 levers of value creation. So we look at what stage you're at in each area, and then we compare you to best practice. And what we're looking to do is to close the gap in each of those areas so that you're essentially de-risking your proposition to to a buyer and that can focus you in many different areas it can focus us on the proposition it can focus us on products and ip 
It can focus on operational capability, um, talent management. So whichever area that needs improvement, we can then really double down and focus on that. We have best practice in each area and we run workshops um, where we can help to improve the client performance. And also, you know, we will just sit alongside as advisors to identify where, where to focus. Agency Deal Masters is brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency. We help ambitious agencies talk to the right brands through the power of podcasting. Generate leads, win new business and increase reputation. Check out our clients' podcasts and find more resources to keep learning at bridgegrowth.org. Now, back to the show. In, in your experience, when agencies are looking to grow and sell their business, what are the biggest mistakes that they make? I mean, we haven't got all day. You, you could probably be here all, all day um, listing off all the mistakes that they made. But what strikes you as some of the biggest missed opportunities or the biggest mistakes that agencies tend to make when growing and selling their agency? Yeah, I think that the most obvious one is the most simple. So it's having the, the right growth plan in place. It's having a documented business plan that covers mission, vision, um, strategic objectives into a balanced scorecard so that you can measure performance. What we tend to do is we tend to um, assess the business from day one. So what's the valuation of the business on day one? And then we look at what the target valuation is and, and how we close that gap. You know, to give you an idea of how significant some of these conversations can be, if you've got a business that's delivering, you know, 1 million EBITDA, and they can achieve an eight times multiple. The value of that business is eight million. Um, if you can transform that business into a business that delivers two million EBITDA and has a twelve times multiple, you're looking at a twenty-four million valuation. Well, that's three times the valuation, and you know that's an extra sixteen million to a shareholder, shareholders in the business. Um, so it's, it's really fundamental conversations we're having. So it's really important to make sure that we focus in each area, close that gap, get as close to best practice as possible to make sure that the buyer conversation is is really in their favour. So moving us now on to a conversation about M&A specifically, based on what you said, how, how do agencies typically figure out how much to sell for and what the value of, of their business is? What's the rough rule of thumb for thinking about how to do that? Yeah, so it's it, ultimately it will be determined by the market uh, and the buyer, which we could come on to. But it, it's as simple as the metric of the EBITDA times the multiple. So EBITDA is the profit that comes out at the end of the year. And there are multiple ways of improving that result. So we're looking at revenue growth. We're looking at sales and marketing. We're looking at client relationships. We're looking at commercials. So all of those areas, as long as they are as close to best practice as we can get them, they will deliver higher revenues. We're then looking at strategic cost management. So how can we improve the efficiency of that organization? Is it an org design discussion? Is it a um, mix between contractor and perm? There's a whole list of, of metrics and tactics we can look at in that area. So that's point number one. You're driving the EBITDA. Point number two is how do we get a buyer comfortable that you're going to deliver on your forecast. And the way we do that is by looking at these 12 levers and making sure you're as close as possible to that best practice. 
So then you get the higher EBITDA times the higher multiple, which realizes higher exit proceeds. And, and that is the main focus. And, you know, like I said earlier, it, it is meaningful. If you get this right, it has a significant impact on shareholders. And, and I understand that there are a number of levers here. There are 12 levers that you're looking at to kind of, um, you know, to optimize, you know, to make sure that you can get a, a fair price for both buyer and, and seller. But why should an agency consider working with Milestone as opposed to either doing this themselves or working with, I don't know, a friend that's maybe sold their agency a few years ago? Um, I'm sure, you know, everyone knows someone that's sold a business in the past uh, in some way, shape or form. Why should a, an agency consider working with Milestone in this process as, as opposed to going it alone? Yeah, I think the, the classic um, challenge for agency leaders is that it's busy. So every day will be filled with a huge number of activities they need to do, which invariably means that they are focusing in the business rather than on the business. And, you know, it can be really refreshing and helpful to have a fresh set of eyes on the business um, with individuals who've walked in their shoes before and have grown businesses, uh, exited businesses, and have seen all of the challenges, the, the peaks and the troughs um, uh, along the way, and can share that insight uh, in a really targeted way and in a really structured way. And, you know, like I say, the, the impact is is really meaningful. If you can improve your um, EBITDA and your multiple based on, you know, following a really clear growth plan and getting as close to best practice in all of those areas, then you're going to materially change the outcome of, of that process. So, you know, putting significantly more into the, to, to the shareholders' um, pockets. And that's a very good reason why it helps to have um, uh, advisors in place. But, you know, you don't have to be selling for, for it to still be valuable. You know, every business should have a really clear business plan, really clear exit strategy, because it drives all of the right behaviours. And, you know, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to assemble such a different group of people. Some are creative, some are data-driven, some are strategic. It's very difficult to, to bring them together and to ensure that everyone's performing at their optimal capability. It's hard. And therefore, having a bit of insight from from outside is 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 very helpful. We, we talked earlier about agencies that maybe want to sell to uh, a private equity buyer versus a strategic buyer. Let's just define our terms here and make sure that we all know what what we're talking about. What is a P buyer? What's an example of a, of a P buyer? And what's a strategic buyer? And w what are the implications for an agency selling to one over the other? So the, the simple definition, so a strategic buyer is a buyer that's in the same line of business, effectively. Uh, so they will have advantages and some disadvantages in that transaction, as opposed to PE. So PE will be, that's private money. Uh, they'll look at the business as a standalone opportunity, and they will have very different. So the, the two uh, fac factions have very different uh, objectives, and the journey will be very different for the sellers depending on which um, buyer that they choose. Now, what we're seeing is PE is, is much more prevalent in this sector. 
and they're often together on the battlefield as they are, you know, looking to buy these assets. Um, but the differences are are quite significant. So, you know, let's let's go through them. A strategic will uh, they'll pay for the business out of their ongoing operations. They will very much focus on identifying synergies. So it's about either driving revenue growth internally or it's about cost, you know, streamlining. Uh, DD tends to be pretty efficient, uh, happen pretty quickly because they understand the industry. And ultimately, and this is what sellers, this is what agency leaders really need to get their teeth into, is the fact that you become fully integrated into that business. Uh, And the ultimate aim is that you become a part of the business. So, you know, you you really have to accept that you're going to lose a certain amount of control and you're going to have to integrate into, you know, going right down to their accounting system, their processes, their policies. And, you know, that can suit, very much suit some agency leaders. Um, But it is a a, a distinct pathway. And, you know, PE is very different. You know, they look at it as a standalone business. So you maintain that autonomy um, within reason. So as long as you're hitting your targets, you're you're pretty much autonomous. Um, the structure of the deal is very different. So it's uh, PE tend to introduce um, debt. So they have a leveraged buyout model, which has quite a few impacts. So obviously, it's, it's very tax efficient. Um, so with the tax shield. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're putting debt into the business. The so interest charges are high. And what that does is it massively focuses the mind of the senior leadership team, which can be a good thing. Um, it can be a little bit stressful, but it can be a good thing. And ultimately, PE gives you the opportunity to realize bigger returns. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to think about there. And, you know, that's why sure. having, having an advisor really does help with, with that, those decisions. You talked about the importance of having a, a great strategic leadership team. What have you learned about having a clear plan for management succession? You know, whether you want to, as the founder, whether you want to um, hand it over to your to your employees and move on or whether you're swallowed up into a larger organization. You know, what have you learned about how to do that well? Yeah, so that that is fundamental. You know, it's a people business, having... So the purpose of succession planning is to have the right leadership team in place over time. Uh, so it's not dependent on any one individual. Um, so succession planning is, is basically an insurance policy for, for the business. Um, and, and also, if you're planning about succession, if you can't identify someone internally who is the next leader, then that gives you the opportunity to go externally quicker so that that means you can then bring those individuals into the business and they can start to learn the culture and you know live the brand of the business before they you know take over so you know that's a big risk if your if your leader is leaving and you're bringing someone in at that time um, that can be a risk to the business as we talked about earlier the risk assessment so you know succession planning is very important it goes a lot deeper than that though it's important you know, I think talent management, talent retention is probably one of the most fundamental aspects of, of risk assessment in, in, in a business going through an exit. Um, you know, it's something we learned at when we sold LBI to publicists. You know, we didn't focus enough on talent management. And, you know, I really 
really encourage agencies to do that. And, you know, there's some really nice methodologies of doing that. You've got EBT, EOT. Um, so there, there are ways of doing it. You've got EMI schemes to incentivize those individuals. But that is probably the one area I would double down on in a process because it reaps rewards. Last couple of questions, Simon, and then I'll, I'll let you go. I could speak to you about this all, all day. But w- what surprises most people about selling their businesses? I think because the process is just so long, uh, not necessarily long, but it, there's, the process is very involved. So surprises, you tend not to have surprises or you try to avoid them. But it is, uh, if, if I was to say it would be twice as hard and take twice as long, then that would probably prepare the agency leadership for what, what's in store. Um, so that's not to say you can't have a really slick process that happens really quickly, but invariably it is, you know, you need to prepare yourself for a, a bit of a slog. Um, but obviously the rewards are significant. Great answer. And my final question, Simon, what do you know today that you wish you knew right at the beginning of your career? probably answer many facets to that question probably i wish i'd known about bitcoin probably <laughs> um <laughs> the uh yeah i remember having a conversation actually right back in 2012 or 2013 with my creative director at lbi who was very interested in bitcoin and we were debating the merits of it um i didn't invest i'm not sure whether he did uh but yeah i think you know it's um it's really nice actually to come full circle. So, so having been in the, the, the operational infrastructure of a business as an uh, operational CFO, you see everything from finishing, you know, helping with credit control to preparing business plans uh, that you're presenting to the senior leadership. And what is really nice now is having been through that, having been sort of battle scarred with, with all of that, but, but making it, you know, it's been enjoyable is now coming back and, and advising, you know, working with people who are going through the same journey and, you know, helping them out on, on that journey. So, yeah, I, I'm really stoked. I'm really enjoying Milestone. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for the challenges ahead. Simon, it's been so good having you on the show. Thank you so much for doing it. Thanks, Nathan. I've really enjoyed it and uh, speak to you soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over... 160 such conversations we've had now with world-class leaders in technology, sales, and marketing. Follow us on LinkedIn or head over to agencydealmasters.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Tyler Baller is our booker. Christoph Boaszczek is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. You are listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency.